You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine, Eric, and I'm really glad I didn't podcast with you last night because uh, you on West Coast road trips having to do post game <laughs> and then trying to podcast afterwards, uh, that ain't I ain't about that life, uh, as someone would have said seven years ago. um yeah uh when when did you get back to your hotel room last night i guess give a specific time and i'll I'll add two for for the central time zone but um yeah it's uh it's it's not an easy thing um i'm trying to think i think i got back to my hotel room at like 11 15 or so uh maybe 11 30 and then obviously that'd been 1 30 central recorded and got it up around 2 30 central 3 3 a.m somewhere in there but i mean that was only like 1 a.m uh pacific time and my body totally adjusted in 24 hours like of course i'm totally fine i'm not feeling the effects of it at all um but (laughs) um no i mean it was fine uh the portland media media room has a uh craft beer uh afterwards so you know i i had my beer while i was transcribing some quotes and getting ready to come over so i mean it I've had worse nights. And it wasn't a back-to-back, so I guess you didn't have to... Well, when are you in Oakland? I actually didn't even ask you before we got on. Are you in Oakland now, or are you still in Portland? Where, where are you right now? Yeah, I'm currently in Oakland. I uh, okay. got here this afternoon. So, yeah, I, I, I'm here in Oakland and then uh, fly out to L.A. on uh, Friday afternoon. So, um, yeah, in Oakland, all ready to go. And I am in Oakland because obviously we'll be previewing uh, a Warriors game coming up on Thursday night. Um, National TV, I assume. I didn't even look. I don't even know what it's on. Um, ESPN? No, it's Thursday. So it must be a TNT game. I'm not actually. Is it? Is it? I don't really know. Um, I'm trying to. uh, Yeah, TNT. Wow. Two straight weeks that the Bucks are on TNT. Times are changing, Eric. (laughs) Okay. Um, Hopefully they won't go to zero two on TNT, I guess. But indeed, uh, hopefully that isn't the case. So, um, okay, we will preview that game in a little while. Um, I guess one thing that I wanted to get your thoughts on, and obviously, um, I spent a long time on this on on today's podcast, or I guess we're yesterday's podcast i'm trying to think how to even say it um but the podcast after the blazers game um you know i i kind of prefaced with the idea that like you know i'm not going to try to say i told you so but this is kind of what i said was going to happen in the preview for the blazers game is that you know the bucks are going to play their scheme and mike boonholzer is going to wait until the fourth quarter to make some serious adjustments and I mean, that's kind of what we saw happening against the Blazers. It was wait until Brooke Lopez re-enters in the fourth quarter, which is the same time 
they made adjustments against uh, the Boston Celtics, and it was the same time that they made adjustments uh, defensively against uh, the Charlotte Hornets. And, you know, like that, that's kind of just been the pattern. And I understand people don't like it uh, because, you know, they, they aren't game planning for their opponent and they're not uh, taking them out of, you know, rhythm early. But, I mean, it does appear that that is what Mike Boonholzer is going to do. Um, I feel like this week's going to be a really frustrating week because in three of four games, uh, the Bucks are going to, you know, face teams that can really take advantage of it. And, you know, that's four of, like I said on the pod last night, six to eight, seven to 10 teams that can, you know, really take advantage of it. The other 20 are just going to kind of play into your hands. Um, but, you know, when you, when you go with uh, Celtics and then Blazers and then Warriors, you know, those are three teams that can take advantage of it and make you look a little bit silly. So I could see it getting a little bit ugly in Oracle on Thursday, but we'll talk about that in a second. What were your general thoughts about watching that, that Blazers game last night? Well, I mean, I, I assume part of your, I told you so was not that the Blazers would hit 19 out of 24 mid range jumpers. Cause to me, that was sort of the public are doing um, because they were getting killed by pick and pop so much. I mean, in Boston also hit some tough threes. I mean, you don't hit, 20 some threes without hitting some tough ones right um unless you're playing like the bulls probably but um but I, I didn't think like this game was as egregious in terms of like oh like you know didn't have a good game right it really killed you um, a lot of guys made some shots and, uh, some of the centers made shot you know i think uh myers leonard might hit two and zach collins hit one and you know so it was kind of one of those things where obviously a lot of guys did hit threes but you know, really the difference in the game, if you're just going to do like kind of the side by side, I mean, the threes were pretty much even between the two teams. Um, I think the Bucks were like plus 10 or something in the paint, um, but they were what outscored 32 to four or something like that for mid range. And um, again, I think you can make a much better case that, you know, you may have, I forget if you or Dean, um, our friend Dean Maniat teed it out, but something to the effect of, you know, the math finally betrayed the Bucks a little bit last night um, because certainly against the, you know, the, the Celtics, I mean, they just took tons and tons of threes. They didn't actually get like any paint points in that game, but they just took a ton of threes. They had a lot of, you know, really good looks and um, they certainly took advantage of the fact that the Bucks, you know, were, were zone dropping and ignoring basically anybody who, you know, any big that just sort of stood out by the three point line and, and waited for shots. Um, whereas in this game, I mean, again, they didn't give up line in this game or anything like that. Um, but, you know, when you look at it, I mean, you know, I think you would have happily taken the way they contained Lillard um, before the game. And um, with McCollum, I mean, this is the hard thing with these guys who are great, you know, mid-range off the dribble jump shooters, right? I mean, in the grand scheme of the universe, you know, I guess I would rather have, you know, Jake Lehman taking mid-rangers than, than CJ McCollum, but um, you can only kind of control so much. I think, you know, as you were watching the game, I think the thing that probably people struggled the most with is just the fact that, you know, McCollum also didn't have a tough time getting to his spots, I think. I mean, you know, DiVincenzo got, you know, just juked and jived, like, I don't know how many times. Um, but the flip side, I would say, is, you know, whereas I think against the Celtics, you know, I think the the argument of, well, you founded these guys the best last year by basically playing smaller or with Thon at center and then switching stuff. Against the Blazers, I mean, if you had Thon out there, right, uh, switching every high pick and roll with CJ McCollum, like, is Thon going to defend CJ McCollum better than, you know, a guard? Um, I, I wouldn't bet on that. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things. I, I think the Blazers are a very good team. They obviously are a team that, that can be explosive offensively. Um, the Bucs ultimately, you know, did score at a pretty pretty good clip. They were a little bit 
below their usual numbers in terms of scoring. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the defense wasn't as good as you would want it to be. Um, I think they could be executing what they were trying to do. Um, but it was as egregious in terms of like, well, you're just you're just going to lose automatically because of the, the scheme you're playing. Like, I didn't feel that way about what the Bucks were doing last night. Um, so I, I would say it's a little bit different than, than you know, what, what we saw against Boston. And again, I mean, in 2018, you know, to think that, like, you're just going to drop a game plan that's just going to shut down, you know, CJ McCollum, Dame Lillard, and, and, you know, contain the Blazers, you're going to meet a lot of luck to make shots. And, and obviously, last night, not only did guys not miss shots, um, you know, I mean, some some of the, it really not even McCollum, like Al Farouk Aminu hitting like fadeaway mid rangers. It was it was like kind of like man, like everybody was hitting these mid range jump shots, which you know led to that absurd number. I think I, I was actually looking at the shot chart and counted seventeen out of twenty two on non paint um, twos, and I know Dean had nineteen out of twenty four. I don't know if he included a couple of like the kind of longer paint you know type shots or something like that. But you know, you get the drift. They just kill the bucks with those those type of shots, and you could argue that they could have certainly defended them better, contested them better. Sure, you know, I mean, bringing Lopez out another step, something like that. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we can we can obviously second guess it, but um, you know, again, I think we'll, we'll certainly have to talk about this. I'm sure a fair bit. Um, and as you said, you know, right now they don't seem to be interested in you know switching the scheme from the start night to night. Um, and and I think I can understand that, but um, you know, certainly Golden State's going to be uh, another interesting task. They can see do a lot of similar things to what the, what Portland. Yeah, I think you kind of bring up an interesting point. There was, you know, I had mentioned last night during the podcast that when you think about how the Bucks could have won that game or how the Bucks lost that game or however you want to view it, like, you know, there was just those, that kind of sequence at the start of the fourth quarter where, you know, like Mike Boonholzer kind of took a chance. He knew that, uh, that Terry Stotts has been taking out both Lillard and McCollum at the same time and going with that bench heavy unit and, you know, the Bucks kind of had their chance there where they made, I think, an 8-0 run uh, and got it down to maybe six. And then all of a sudden, Evan Turner hits a uh, mid-range jumper and then he hits another one. And then uh, I think Myers Leonard hits a three and then Al Farouk Aminu hits a jumper. And, and I get obviously McCollum had that huge third quarter with 19 points and uh, obviously a 40-point night overall and just kind of really cooked the bucks at times, but you know, at the same time, the Blazers hit some tough shots and, you know, sometimes you do just kind of have to, to tip your cap and say, well, you know, maybe we'll get them next time. And I think one thing that I've been curious about is, you know, we've seen these shooting performances from, you know, the, the three games, the bucks have really been challenged uh, with their defensive scheme is, you know, Charlotte and uh, Boston and Portland. And all three of those games happened on the road. All three of those were home games for those guys. And, you know, like there's, uh, it's tough to draw kind of, you know, correlations with those type of things. But, you know, I do wonder if, you know, the, the comfort of playing at home and, you know, having a home crowd behind you can kind of help carry those guys in some of those really high shooting performances, those impressive shooting performances. And, you know, like it, it, it just felt like, you know, once McCollum hit that, the one where he made Dante fall over, it was like, okay, like this, the Bucks aren't getting this game back. Like, you know, if at, in Milwaukee, a guy hits a couple, if a team hits a couple mid-rangers, you know, 
Bucks fans are not going to really be, I don't think, all that worried. Uh, and, you know, they're kind of playing into your hands. But uh, at home for a team, it, it can really get things going. So, um, you know, I'm just kind of curious to kind of watch and see how all of that happens. And speaking of playing at home, uh, if you want to see the Bucks play at home, or I guess technically if you want to see the Bucks play on the road, you can head over to Vivid Seats. Our friends over at Vivid Seats are once again helping out the pod and giving you a great deal with the podcast code LOCKDOWN, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Listeners can receive $20 off orders of $200 or more if they are a first-time customer of Vivid Seats. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. And as I always kind of say with this, you know, you don't have to, you don't really have to worry about, you know, figuring out exactly where the seat is or anything like that. Like it does all of those things for you. It makes it extremely easy. It allows you to find the seats that you want to really just about anything. And if you're watching in Milwaukee, Pfizer Forum has all sorts of events all the time, uh, no matter kind of what genre it is, uh, you know, they're going to have some shows and you can get great seats to those shows with vivid seats because they offer great prices and an easy purchasing experience so use the promo code lockdown l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n for twenty dollars off orders of two hundred dollars or more if you're a first time customer of vivid seats frank the one other thing i wanted to get your thoughts on obviously i gave my thoughts on it last night but i want to get your thoughts on uh kind of that that situation I just kind of went over where, you know, you have Giannis playing 37 minutes uh, with 450 left. Uh, Mike Boonholzer takes him out post game. I ask about it. Bud says, you know, if we got it down to six or eight, Giannis goes back in. Uh, it doesn't get down to six or eight. It stays double digits and even above that. And, uh, you know, after the game, Giannis says, you know, I don't really care what the score was. Like I'm the team leader and, the team needs to see their leader out there fighting for them uh, until the end of the game, no matter, you know, if we're down six or eight or 10 or 12 or 14, no matter what it is, like, you know, I want that chance. I want to see what I can go out there and do. So um, I think this is kind of the, one of the first real times where we've seen Mike Boonholzer, uh, you know, kind of keep Giannis out of a game that, you know, I don't know if they had like a, chance chance to win but you know the 11 or 12 with with three minutes left isn't crazy it's been done before and uh you know this was a spot where that would have took him over 40 minutes and i think it probably would have been the most he's played in a game thus far this year and he kept him from that and i'm curious just kind of what were your thoughts uh not seeing Giannis on the floor in those final three minutes and then uh kind of each party's comments after the game yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Giannis usually isn't the kind of guy to, you know, stir the pot um, around, you know, certainly his minutes, right? I mean, he's coming off a season in which he played an absolute ton of minutes. So it uh, would have been weird for him last year to be complaining about not playing enough um, after playing 37 <laughs> minutes a game. This year, he's, I think, played exactly 37. I want to say like three times or something like that. Um, he's never played more than his average of last year, which kind of gives you a good sense of how the Bucks have been able to manage his minutes. Um, and obviously with a lot of these games being blowouts, um, you know, it's really been a good opportunity for him them to kind of manage his time. Obviously he had the, the one game where he missed part of it due to the, the concussion as well. So um, I don't know. I mean, it's Giannis. He's competitive. 
you know, it's not really in his character, obviously, to to complain about stuff or to really question authority in a way that's, you know, destructive. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, was loyal to Jason Kidd of all people, right? Which I think tells you all you need to know about Giannis <laughs> and his um, willingness to buy in. And, you know, you've had plenty of conversations where you poke and prod <laughs> to see if he's going to question anything about the Bucks scheme and things yeah. like that. And he never takes the bait. Um, did they win? No, they did not win. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> a great, great line from Giannis. Um, that, if, if you recall, I believe, what was it? Was that during the Knicks game when they hit a bunch of like mid-range shots yeah. or a bunch of shots or whatever in a row? And um, he was talking about believing in the math and all that. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's anything to see here, um, especially, you know, you know, if this was like some other guy, right? If this was, you know, Jimmy Butler or you know, some, somebody who has a history of running <laughs> with coaches, then, you know, you can choose your own adventure and try to read something into it. But um, I think with, uh, with Giannis, I'm, I'm not at all concerned. And as far as the actual decision to, to take Giannis out, um, I mean, it was a weird night because I actually, when I was watching the first quarter, I didn't realize, I guess Middleton had the foul trouble. Cause I, I was just sitting there thinking like, where is Giannis's like mid quarter, you know, rest. Cause normally he comes out um, yeah. and then comes back in later in the first quarter and then goes into the, the second quarter. And this one was a little bit different because he played the entire first quarter, which I'm guessing hasn't happened all year. So it was a bit, it was a bit kind of thrown off in some of the rotations and his, his burn, um, uh, in terms of getting the time he got a lot early. And then, you know, I mean, the fact that he was at 37 minutes with, with, uh, five minutes to go in the game tells you this was, you know, obviously a game where they had not been able to manage his minutes as well as they might've liked. And, and obviously kind of makes sense. I mean, Bucks haven't been trailing much in the second halves of games, so they haven't really needed to sort of extend him. And, um, you know, obviously as a coach, it's harder to stick with your rotations when you feel like, you know, you need your best guy in there just to keep it close or try to make a run. And it seemed like, you know, Bud probably had a hard time as well in the second half a little bit, just because, you know, it's like, man, we want to get back in this game. And, and Giannis started to get going a little bit um, at times in that second half as well. So um, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, again, I, you know, it, it just felt like, you know, whenever the Bucks got a bucket last night, the, you know, the Blazers answered with a three or a tough two that was just deflating. Um, you know, they had it went down to five or six at various points in the fourth quarter. But, um, man, it was just kind of one of those games where you just felt like you were going, you know, steeply uphill uh, the entire time. And, um, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice, obviously, if you could have managed his minutes such that, you know, you, you could have had him out there with the game still in, you know, I think what was an 11 point lead when he went to the bench, five minutes left. So, um, yeah, it would have been nice if you could have, you know, gotten him back in there a couple minutes later, but, um, obviously, you know, it, it didn't seem like the, uh, a comeback was in the offing. And beside from that, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of a weird night for Giannis cause he ended up, you know, shooting a, a good number from the field, but, um, you know, it was, uh, another really bad turnover night. Um, I mean, he's, he hasn't had a single game where he's been had fewer than three turnovers, which was his average last year. Another six turnovers last night. Um, you know, what, just two free throws. The, the whistle was not good again last night. Um, so it was just kind of a game where, again, like, you know, we really sort of underscores how much we take for granted, how good he is. I mean, he puts up 23, nine and six and, you know, you just say like, well, six turnovers and really still doesn't feeling kind of like he's, he knows where he's supposed to be. And, you know, you wrote about that, which I thought was a really insightful piece and sort of his mindset around that. But, um, but yeah, and I, I mean, and again, too, I mean, the Bucks playing without Giannis this year is very different from the Bucks playing without Giannis last year too, right? I mean, last year they were 
just hopeless without him on the court. And this year they've been very good, you know, obviously with him and, but they've also been good without him. They can, they figured out a way how to play with him, uh, with him on the bench so far as well. So, um, yeah, I'd say nothing to see here. Um, if, if it became a theme, obviously then we probably have more, something more to talk about, but, um, I'd say, you know, it, it was what it was on a weird night that, you know, again, the Bucks just couldn't quite, quite break through. And I'm happy you mentioned that, that article I wrote at the athletic Wisconsin, cause then one, I don't have to pimp it, but I'm going to pimp it again right now. Um, and I just, the, the thing that I found interesting kind of when talking about everything with them was, you know, he likes to use the word easy a lot, that everything has kind of been easy for everyone that, you know, when he kicks it out, there's shooters and, you know, assists can be kind of easy. And, uh, the baskets that he is getting tend to be easy. Teams aren't beating him up. Like they're not getting to be physical with him. And like all of those things are true, but it does still feel like there's just times where he's not quite ready for, you know, whatever is going to happen where, uh, you know, he's trying to, get to the basket and there's a cutter coming through at a time that he didn't think there was going to be, or there's some backside motion where he wasn't a hundred percent sure that it was going to happen. Or, you know, there was one last night where uh, Middleton saw him trailing and just had a nice little touch pass, which, you know, I, I thought was going to kind of be like, okay, here comes trailer Giannis little touch pass, just like a one dribble move. And he's probably by for a dunk. And, you know, like it was kind of moving before, he was ready and then it was a little bit of a low pass and it there there's just kind of these moments in that offense uh still where you can you can kind of tell that he's kind of trying to think through everything and that isn't necessarily what the Boonholzer offense is about like it's about kind of read and react and you know you just have to kind of be able to do those things and it's weird to say for Giannis because he is kind of such a natural playmaker but um I think there's still a long ways for him to go in that offense, which as I've said a couple times, like that's really scary for every other team because he is now the, like I think he's the favorite in Vegas as the MVP for the year. Like that's already happening. And you know, he's, he's kind of struggling with things and uh, yeah, it, it was one of those nights where it was just like, yeah, yeah, he did have good numbers, but like there's, there's just a little bit missing. And, you know, he's still still trying to figure some stuff out. So um, really, if anything, and again, like I'm not trying to make a story out of Giannis not coming back in the game, like, but you could just tell that something he was kind of angry about. And, you know, if there is a story to be had here, it, it is maybe that Giannis is still trying to figure some things out and get comfortable uh, within this offense. So I, I think that's, for me, something to keep an eye on. Um, okay, now let's head to preview of this Warriors game. Um, in the post game last night, Giannis said that if they play defense like they did against the Blazers, uh, where they gave up 118, they're going to give up 150 to the Warriors. Um I don't think that it'll go that far, but I also think it won't go that far because the Warriors might score 80 in the first half. Uh, so obviously the Warriors are really good. Um, is there something specifically which <laughs> yes. makes you think that? Because, I mean, yes. they are not they don't have pick-and-pop bigs, but they have Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Um, they're, be- they're, they're playing a lot of really random dudes right now, which I think is probably the best hope that the Bucs have is that they're very random dudes. No Draymond. No Draymond. 
Uh, yeah, exactly right. No Draymond. Um, and then, uh, do we? By the way, do we know who would start in Draymond's place with if, if he's out? Anyway, I think uh, it's interesting because the Warriors. I mean, by virtue of the fact that they pay a billion dollars to all their you know four stars, and then they spent their you know taxpayer mid level on Boogie Cousins, who obviously isn't playing yet. Um, you know, they they have some very clear limitations in terms of how they can fill up their roster, uh, and so it's you know that's a challenge for them. So there's some guys you're going to see that. You know, don't necessarily look familiar. I mean, I think people got used to seeing Jordan Bell, who, you know, as a rookie last year, played a fair bit in the playoffs. Kevon Looney, who obviously a Milwaukee native, um, played a fair bit in the playoffs as well. Um, Jarebko probably is a guy who will benefit a lot from uh, from Draymond's absence uh, filling in in the front court. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think to some extent, you know, I don't, I don't want to play the card of like, oh, well, you just let the stars get theirs and then, you, you know, you hold everybody else down because – they have three awesome stars and those three guys by themselves don't need a lot of help beyond, uh, beyond what they can do. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think they are a bit different in the sense that they can't really space you out the way even a Portland team does. I mean, Portland has, uh, Nurkic doesn't shoot threes, but Zach Collins does. Myers Leonard does, um, you know, Aminu, uh, hit some threes. I mean, even Evan Turner, I think hit a three, right? Um, so I don't know. I mean, the Warriors are going to score a ton of points just because they're the Warriors. I don't. I would question whether it's just purely. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm kind of hesitant to say that like the Bucks' defense and its flaws are like inherently susceptible, to, especially to the Warriors, um, just because at least the like pick and pop stuff with big men shouldn't happen? Question mark. <laughs> um, so I mean, obviously, there's the question around like you know. Can they just run really high pick and roll and um, get Steph pulling up from three? And obviously, that that's always uh, a danger, right? If you don't bring up your big man to um, to try to close out, I mean, that's probably the. I mean, would you say that's probably your, your biggest fear is that Steph is just going to hit like twelve pull up threes and try to take back his three point record from Clay? Uh, no, my biggest concern is split cuts. I don't know how the Bucks will attempt to guard them. And for those uninitiated, um, I think a number of you have probably heard me talk about them before. But, you know, the kind of idea with the Warriors and their split cuts is uh, they're going to enter the ball into a, a post type player. And it, it will help that Draymond isn't there to do the passing because he's really good at it. But um, say they enter it to the block or they enter it to the elbow. Uh, there will be two players on the perimeter on the wing, and then they will come together for a second, and either one will screen for the other and try to get them open, or one will cut to the basket, or they'll just flip, or something like that. Like there will be some sort of action in that way. And you know, kind of the best way to defend it, to take away threes, is to switch it. Um because it's just you're not 100% sure on the angles and kind of where people will go. Um, when you switch it, it becomes susceptible to getting back cut and giving up layups, which, you know, if you've watched Steph Curry or Clay Thompson uh, or even just highlights of either of those two guys, you always see them somehow running free to the basket for like a finger roll or a quick dunk. And you're like, how the hell did that happen? And most of the time it's because of a split cut. And the reason I say this is because the Blazers run some of that action. Um, they had a couple last night, and 
those were come, some of the spots where the Bucks perimeter defense looked really ugly, um, where it's just like guys getting caught up on each other, um, guys kind of running into each other and not quite knowing which direction to go. Um, I just think they're going to, those are a real pain to cover uh, straight up. And I'm curious what the Bucks do against it. So that would, that, to me was my biggest concern. Like I think Steph can obviously do that things. And obviously everyone's heard me talk about how uh, it is going to be a concern for you uh, when you have guys going over the top of screens and then the big man dropping that a guy like Steph can just pull up at three. So uh, that is a big concern, but just kind of the general motions of the Warriors defense or excuse me, the Warriors offense feel difficult for the Bucks to cover. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's kind of hard because it's, Hard for everybody to defend the the Warriors, so um, <laughs> you know I'm actually I had someone I had someone ask me that today when they were like, okay, so to play devil's advocate to the podcast you recorded, like you said, oh, okay, well you're the Bucks defense, you know, is going to struggle against guys that can you know kind of hit those pull up threes. It's going to struggle against uh, playmaking pick and pop bigs, and they said like isn't that just like a universal problem? Like doesn't every defense struggle with those? Like isn't essentially what you're saying, super talented teams are going to be difficult for the bucks to cover. And I thought about like, I wanted to reject it out of hand, but then it was like, yeah, I guess I can't, I kind of am saying that because you know, pick and pop playmaking bigs. Like there's only so many of those guys. Like there's, there's really only one Al Horford in the league. Like there's some poor man's versions of Al Horford, but there's really only one. And, you know, you talk about the guys that can hit pick and pop or that can hit threes off the dribble or or really hurt you in that mid range area where they're hitting a high number of low efficiency shots. And it was like, I guess maybe, yeah, maybe that is right. That no matter what you would struggle against those teams. Yeah. I mean, so who, who is, who is closest to Steph Curry in, in basketball? Do you think like if you were going to name some guys who are closest to Steph Curry in terms of style? Um, it's probably, I think Kemba is probably one of them. And then it's probably like Kemba McCollum Lillard. That's probably pretty close. I think those guys are are similar. Yeah. I think you're having a lot of recency bias putting McCollum in that because McCollum was a below average efficiency score last year. And I don't think he really bombs long threes the way those other guys do. I'm I'm Um, okay with that. Yeah. So, so what I was trying to bait you into saying was Damian Lillard, and Damian Lillard had his worst game of the season last night against the Bucks, and nobody's <laughs> talking about it because yeah. CJ McCollum scored forty points. So it's obviously going to be focused as like, well, CJ the Bucks couldn't stop CJ McCollum, but they stopped Damian Lillard. Uh, now, <laughs> obviously, I, I would say you don't stop Damian Lillard without having some luck, and you know, I'm sure someone will say, well, CJ McCollum stopped Damian Lillard or something, but um, sure. you know, Lillard was five out of fifteen. He did hit three out of seven threes. Um, but I don't think he was getting, you know, easy threes per se. And he doesn't need easy threes. He's obviously really talented. Um, but he shot five out of 15. He didn't take a single free throw. Um, that's the first time he's had fewer than four free throws in a game. So, um, you know, the Bucks' ability to defend without fouling, um, certainly, uh, continues to be a, a valuable thing. I think they're still first in the NBA in free throw rate. So that, that whole buddhism, um, you know, has, has obviously been a really positive thing. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, that's kind of the irony, I guess. If, if you said that McCollum and Lillard were going to go for 53 combined last night, um, I don't know. I mean, they, they average 40, pretty good. 47. So um, that's okay. Um, 
Now, I think you can, yeah, again, like you can argue, well, McCollum just, they didn't, they didn't make it difficult enough on him, but it's hard to take those guys away. And obviously with the Warriors, it's even more, more intense. It's even harder to take all those guys away. So I think, um, you know, I, I think one thing I would add too, um, you know, best defense is a good offense, that whole, that whole thing. I think that is definitely very true for the Bucks, given that they can be a great offense. Um, if they can make shots, the Warriors are a team that obviously, I mean, they can obviously run off makes too, but um, they are a team that kind of thrives on the chaos of transition uh, defense. And we know that Mike Budenholzer obviously has said multiple times, you know, that, that defense starts in transition. Um, so I think that's really an interesting thing for me too, is, you know, that sort of um, question of um, how well can the Bucks score on the Warriors? The Warriors are coming to the game fifth in defense. Um, the Bucks are currently third uh, per cleaning the glass. They also lost, you know, a all defensive team, you know, defensive player caliber in Draymond. So obviously that helps you. Um, but you know, look, like it's not all about Draymond. Obviously, this is a team that has defended at a high level for 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 years now. So, uh, so I think those two things are things I'm going to really be curious about because I think so much of what you know, in particular, Steph and Clay thrive on is you miss shots, they get rebounds, you turn the ball over, you push the ball in transition, and it's just harder to mark anybody in in transition before your defense is set and you know, especially guys like that who are, you know, the best shooters in NBA history. And, you know, you're Kevin Durant in there too, right? And he's probably right there with them in terms of just pure shot making from anywhere on the court. So um, so I think that's probably going to be a really big theme for me is just, you know, how well did the Bucks get back in transition and kind of stop those open threes? Because that's the thing. I mean, the Warriors get tons of open shots. Like these are the best shooters in the league, best shooters in history, whatever. That doesn't mean that teams that they just hit tough shots. They can hit tough shots, but they also get a lot of open shots because they, you know, their offense is so good and they have so much talent, kind of, you know, between those three of those guys in particular. So, um, so I think that's pretty big. I mean, if the Bucks can get off to a good start, if the Bucks can knock down their own threes, um, which obviously they've had some hit or miss stretches, especially on the road. Um, but if they miss a lot of shots, I mean, to me, that's you know, it might seem obvious, but um, it, it's kind of a double whammy just not being able to get your offense going and then potentially feeding that that Warriors break. So. Um, I, I guess I'll I'll stop droning on because I don't know how how much of a breakthrough any of this stuff is. But um, you know, I think I think the bottom line is you know we can you know we like to break it down and talk about the X's and O's and you know how you attack a team, how you prevent from being attacked by the other team's offense. Um, but I think you know as far as measuring stick games go, a lot of it to me is just you know are you can you be competitive with these guys? Can you can you threaten these guys? And obviously ultimately can you beat these guys? And um, you know, I think certainly that's why the Blazers game, I think was disappointing because you just couldn't really threaten them. You couldn't play from the front. Um, and ultimately, you know, it wasn't a close game there in the last few minutes. Um, so again, the, not going to be any easier playing against the Warriors, but, um, you know, this is a team that we've seen. I mean, we've seen lesser versions of the Bucks be competitive and, and even beat the Warriors the last few years. Um, so again, this is a measuring stick game, you know, can you be competitive one way or another? Can, can you compete with the best team in the league? Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, really interesting to watch. And, you know, the, the tough part for the Bucks is, you know, uh, some of the, the games that we thought were measuring stick games for them early in the year, like, you know, everyone's kind of disqualified. Like, oh, you beat the Raptors. Well, quiet didn't play. Well, Giannis didn't play either, but Okay. Uh, well, you beat the Sixers. Well, the Sixers are kind of a mess. Oh, okay. That's fine. Um, but, you know, it's tough to get credit for wins when all people want to do is discredit said wins um, and then make a big deal out of the losses. And oh, there are only two of those. Um, and they both happen to be against, you know, some of the 
better teams in the league. So I, the Blazers are certainly playing like one of the better teams in the league right now. And the Celtics definitely are one of the better teams in the league and they both came on the road. Uh, so I think uh, that's a, a great point to bring up. Like, you know, can you compete against them? Can you beat them? And, you know, like at some point you do want some of these games to turn into wins rather than uh, competitive losses, competitive losses, and then have me hanging out and doing loser talk the next day. Um, but like, <laughs> Uh, you know, you, like you do want to win some of these games, so we'll see if the Bucks can steal one at Oracle one, on Thursday one, night. It should be one, a good one. It'll be on- yeah. What one thing I would just add, um, you know, we talk obviously a lot about the the math and the shot profiles and things like that because obviously it's been a big story for the Bucks on both ends. I mean, the Warriors are interesting because they are so talented that they really can overcome a pretty mediocre shot profile. Um, Last year and this year, they're 26th in the league in terms of frequency of shots at the rim. So they really don't get to the rim that much. Um, and they take a lot of mid-range jumpers, you know, the KD effect. Um, before KD got there, they were in the bottom five to two. <laughs> they were 24th, 29th, 24th in terms of mid-range shots attempted. Last two years, they were eighth last year, seventh this year in terms of frequency of mid-range jumpers. Um, and they actually have now kind of fallen off pretty significantly in terms of the proportion of shots they take from three. They're only 15th in the league in terms of um, for frequency of shots taken from three. They were 14th last year. So again, like it's very top heavy in terms of their scoring and their three-point shooting. And those guys are talented enough, you know, especially KD, but, but Steph too. Um, they can, they can score from anywhere. They can shoot mid range jump shots and they're good enough. That they can, they can beat you that way. Um, but that I think does at least give you maybe a little bit more of a window because, um, especially KD, obviously you, you kind of hope that maybe he hits his first mid range jumper and then kind of falls in love with that. <laughs> maybe takes a bunch more and doesn't make as many as he used to, as he usually does. Um, because certainly, you know, again, you hope that maybe you can play that math to your benefit a little bit. Um, certainly that 26th uh, rating or 26th rank in uh, rim attempts um, against a team like the Bucks. you know, if they do continue to play pretty conservatively, dropping their big man and, and playing their big men, um, then you'd expect that probably continues. But um, again, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of nights. I mean, there are a lot of nights in the NBA now generally where the question is who, which team made their jump shots. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, this game in particular is, that's that's probably gonna be the story did the 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 warriors make a lot of jump shots or did they maybe have a little bit of a cold night that the bucks maybe make it a little bit harder than they have against some of these other teams um so i I guess we'll see Uh, and hopefully it's competitive and hopefully we uh don't see Giannis at the end of the bench uh, of a loss uh, for the second straight game. Yeah, that would not be ideal for the milwaukee bucks uh or this podcast because i think uh Sometimes the rule on a Pacific uh, time game for Frank is if they win, I'll pot. If not, maybe I won't because I'll just be too frustrated (laughs) and tired and angry. So that might mean you get me solo again uh, tomorrow night, but we will see uh, how all of that shapes up. So uh, that is Locked on Bucks for today. Today's episode, again, brought to you by Vivid Seats. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more if you're a first-time customer of Vivid Seats. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app today. So for Frank Ben, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.